If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 210. This is our 2022 PGA Championship in-depth research podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss Southern Hills Country Club and this year's second major championship. Hello, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit BeGambleAware.org for more info and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, tournament strokes gained analysis, tournament form stats, and our predictive models. All of these features, like this podcast, are all completely free of charge with no paywall. On Twitter, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Please look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please subscribe and like the shows. This podcast goes out on the YouTube channel as well. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Just a, just a comment here. Some more reviews would be very, very welcome. Uh, we are working through the reservoir that we have, but keep them coming. Right, here's one for you. The reason I watched, uh, the reason I started watching golf is the title. Five stars. Last year, I barely watched golf and had little interest. I wanted to put a bit of money on the open and stumbled across this podcast for some tips. Fast forward nearly nine months later, and I followed every PGA event since. The three lads provide a nice mix of humour, coupled with great golfing knowledge, and will provide you a nice few winners and places along the way. If nothing else, it is worth listening for Steve's pronunciation of Mitoparea. Cheers for giving me a reason to be excited for Tuesday every week, boys. And that is from La, and La is in the Republic of Ireland. Thank you very much. Lovely stuff. Yeah, thanks a lot. Amazingly, we've turned someone we've turned someone into a golf watcher and better. I just said the relief when you said fast forward nine months. I was like, please don't say I'm bankrupt <laughs> <laughs> from following our tips. Uh, oh, that's great. I know for a fact we didn't tip up Colin Morikawa to win the Open last year. No, we didn't. Uh-uh. Especially after he finished seventy first the uh, the week before the Scottish Open, right? It was so obvious, wasn't it? Anyway, but that <laughs> yeah, Renaissance no experience and uh, finished seventy first at the Renaissance yeah. Club the week before. I I think we got to be careful to Renaissance Club this year. Just to post it now, Steve. Just to remember that it's just, it just doesn't. Yeah. Have you actually that, seen the fill for the Scottish Open? Did I did I read that they're bribe? Sorry, that they're they're offering up seven thousand pound of bonus for travel and accommodation to any PGA Tour pro that's going to play the Scottish Open. Right. And this, this is they've co-sanctioned it, haven't they? This is yeah. one of the uh, new co-sanctioned events. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see what the field actually looks like. Because um, we've also got an alternate event, haven't we? Is that, no, no, is, is that right? That, that yeah, one? there's also an alternate event in the States both weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think they're playing the Barbasol. Mm, that's right. One of them. I think they might be playing... Oh, you've got me. You've got me now. Oh, so, sorry, sorry, people. Sorry, listeners. It's all completely nothing to do with what we're talking about. But this kind of... They're playing the Barbasol the same week as the Genesis Scottish Open. And then the Open yep. Championship is shared with the Barracuda. So there's plenty of golf in the States for the journeyman as well. Right. We're not here to talk about the uh, Barbasol or the Barracuda. We're here to talk about the PGA Championship. This is our research podcast. Now, 
regulars will know, but we, we, pull, we pull together research podcasts the week before every major. And we basically just talk through what we're seeing, what we're looking through, and trying to get across to you guys how we are building our betting cards. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. We don't tend to go into who we're actually going to select to win. Um, it's pretty pointless talking about odds at the moment as well because we're recording this on Tuesday, on Thursday the 12th of May. And when I look at the PGA Championship markets, they're still all anti-post markets. So we're not seeing any real prices with it, with any extended each-way places. Yeah, and a lot of the bookers haven't added the um, latest additions to the field either. There's, mm. there's some big gaps in the uh, markets at the moment. So, yeah, sit tight on that unless there's one that you desperately want to uh, to back early doors. But, yeah, fr- Friday, probably, probably well, Thursday, as you say, Friday, tomorrow afternoon, you might start to see some of the uh, full markets with a full each way um, places from the bookies, but uh, certainly not at the moment. We tend to see Paddy Power, at least Paddy Power, going up on a Friday, don't we? Prior. Yeah, yeah. Mate, yeah, often kind of nine, ten o'clock in the morning, and then a few of the others follow suit. But uh, yeah, we'll have um, to we'll have to sit tight. By Friday evening, we should have most of them up. Mm. You'll have a good, you'll have a, a good few, chunk, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it gets dangerous Friday evening though. If you have a couple of beers and you're just scrolling <laughs> around, you're like, bet, bet, bet. <laughs> Paul's putting fifty pounds on the nose on Patrick Reed. Read better the week. Under 150 to one. <laughs> I would be tempted at that, Steve. I don't think we're going to get that. No. <laughs> uh, Where should we start, chaps? Should we talk about know. the golf course? Yeah, let's go for some basics first. Um, we're talking here, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there are going to be a few in the field with Oklahoma local ties. I'm sure Ricky Fowler will be getting the big, you know, oh, he went to Oklahoma State. And, of course, you'll get this amazing analysis about the fact that Victor Hovland is a local guy and all this kind of rubbish. But it's true. Um, you can't you can't argue with that. There are quite a few Oklahoma golfers these days. Hmm. Matthew Wolf's another, isn't he? Wolfie. He went to Oklahoma State, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Your man Taylor Gooch this week, he's an Oklahoma guy, isn't he? Yeah. When, There's quite a few. Li- I think they live, They tend to live in Edmond, from what I've seen for all my research over the years. It's like mm. a golfing community in Edmond, Oklahoma. Now, I don't know if that's nearby to Tulsa. Is it 24 hours to Tulsa? That one's clearly going over your heads. But um, one thing I always hear about Tulsa and one thing I always hear about Oklahoma golf is it's windy. Mm. Um, and, well, if you actually look at the map of the United States, it's it's in that belt, isn't it, that's kind of level. It's all, it's all connected through Texas and... It's a it's a it's a part of the world that um, tends to get plenty of wind, but we'll we'll go into that. Um, it's it's I'm just looking at the map here. It's basically joined, isn't it? It's north of Dallas, so I, I think that the people that are based in Dallas, the Texas guys, Oklahoma guys, they're going to have the local knowledge just in terms of the heat, the wind. This is kind of where they live. This is where they play golf all the time. So just bear that in mind. I think there's going to be something there in there potentially with 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 Texas based players or players that were educated in Texas, for example, or Oklahoma. So that's an angle. But the golf course itself, Southern Hills Country Club. Now, before I started this journey, I didn't know a lot about it. I think 2007 PGA Championship was the last uh, major to be held here. We all know that was won by Tiger Woods. Um, did some analysis around that golf course. Uh, the fact that that particular week, it was all about total accuracy. It was all about fairways. It was all about greens in regulation and maximising both of those. And then you go into the fact that um, Gil Hans has done a renovation of this place. And all of a sudden, that kind of accuracy angle 
tends to fall away because what they've done is renovated the course to go back to how Perry Maxwell designed it in 36. Barry raised a fantastic point off Mike. He said, because we were talking about what courses we thought visually had aspects to this. Barry brought up Colonial Country Club. And as soon as he said it, I thought, that's a Maxwell design. You go back in the records, that's that's another Maxwell design. So that could be something to look into, a link with Colonial. We'll talk about that in a short space of time. This golf course, though, is it's had the Hans renovation. What he's done to the golf course is take away masses of trees. He's taken away also the thick US Open kind of length of rough that surrounded fairways, but also green complexes. And I think that's important because what used to be, and this used to be the old US Open style, didn't it? it you know, it was it was five or six inch Bermuda rough around greens. And from that stage, everyone was just hacking out. Mm. What a lot of these older golf courses and their renovations have gone back to is the old style of design whereby they take away the rough, they create short grass around the greens and in this particular case, they've made the green smaller and they've taken away the rough and there's runoff areas around most of these green complexes. The golf course itself is 7,558 yards to the tips. And then you read that it's going to play as a par 70 with two par fives. Mm. So as soon as I read that, the... Uh, the only only retentive Steve in me goes back. Oh, let, let's have a look how that ranks. So, Beth Page Black in 2019, Bell Reeve in 2018, and Balter's Roll in 2016 were all past 70s. But this course, to the tips, if they wanted to, is longer than all of them. When I went back across other US-based majors, this is the longest on the scorecard that it could be going back to the US Open of 2015, played at that ridiculous Chambers Bay golf course up in Washington on the Pacific Coast. And from memory, that was one by Jordan Spieth, wasn't it? From Dustin mm. Johnson, who two-parted from about one foot. And from Brandon on the, Grace. On the 72nd hole. Oh, Brandon Grace ejected on 16, I think it was, mm. onto the railway tracks. That, that, I, that I, categorized, cool. just I categorized the greens that week, Barry, as um, cauliflower. They, in, terms they were their, bit, in terms of their makeup. Yeah. They were a little bit bumpy. That was unfortunate. But, um, you know, things I've heard since then said it's a really fun golf course. So it was just, un- just unlucky. It was a Mike Davis, let's cock up everything and overcomplicate everything kind of US Open. He was quite good at those, Mike Davis. Um, so, yeah, let, let's be frank. This is a brutally long golf course. Um, Astro Bermuda Grass Fairways. That's a Bermuda Grass even I haven't come across. Astro Bermuda Grass Rough with Tall Fescue. The Greens, and this is a really telling point. Bearing in mind, you know, when we go through this stuff year, week in, week out, you, sometimes we're talking about 7,500, 8,000 square feet average green complexes. Here, 5,277 square feet on average. Yeah, it's pretty small, isn't it? I, I, what, are we, what are we looking, kind of pebble beach size or a bit bigger than pebble? No, bigger beach, than really? pebble. pebble. Pebble tends to be about 3.8. Right, okay, so just to put into context there. But pebble 7,000 yards, Paul, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, that, yeah. This is the point. It's, yeah. it's, it's got to be relative to the length of the course. Yeah, so you're bang on. Yeah, small greens for, for the length of the course. I'm just bringing up my information here on um, Augusta. Here you go, Augusta. Augusta National, 6,486 square feet. So they're effectively 1,200 square feet on average smaller than Augusta. 
They do have the same kind of base grass, though. They are bent grass greens, but this is a another another um, uh, agronomy piece of detail I've never come across. Pure distinction bent grass. But effectively, you know, very similar. They're similar grasses to Augusta, the Bermuda grass, the rough and everything, and uh, bent grass green. But yeah, smaller, smaller green complexes, but this could be playing up to 7,558 yards as a par 70. The other thing um, I've picked up in the last, I'm sure everybody has, has <clears throat> been doing a little digging on the golf courses that they've softened the edges of the greens. They'd found they'd become built up and kind of protected balls from rolling off. So they're, the effect the 5,277 square foot average is probably effectively a bit smaller than that. These false yeah. edges. So... They're, they're going to play small, um, especially with wind blowing next week. But we'll get into the weather in a while. Sorry, I'm but jumping the, ahead. The, the reason they did that, Barry, wasn't it, was that a lot of um, Maxwell's old pin positions were right on the edges of greens. And that way, by actually getting rid of the rough, and they're, actually, they're going to reconstitute a lot of the old um, pin placements. Yeah. <clears throat> you, it's that it's that kind of you can see it's where it's like you, you're going to have these very small target areas on your approaches that if you can get the ball onto you've got birdie chances big style yeah if you miss by very small margins all of a sudden that ball is rolling 30 35 yards away from the green and you've got an awful up and down chip yep and that's unless you hit the bunkers, which aesthetically, if you look through the um, the flyovers that are out there of the, of the course, um, aesthetically the greens are absolutely littered with with bunkers. You know, each one of them's got typically three, four, five pretty decent sized bunkers around the greens, and um, you know, depending on these pin positions, you're going to find yourself short sided um, on some of the holes quite quite regularly, I guess. Um, so yeah, you know, I think one of the aspects that we're going to need to consider for this is that players that are comfortable getting up and down out of bunkers, um, yeah, are probably going to add a few points to that or a few strokes to this score, or not lose a few strokes to this score over the course of the four days. And players that struggle out of bunkers, you know, unless you can miraculously find, you know, what seventy-five, eighty percent of greens in regulation, which I really don't think we're going to see this week. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a challenge around the greens. I think that's the bet of the week. Nobody to get over seventy five percent greens and reg. Can't, we just can't see, it, especially with the way the the weather's projected now. The size of the greens and the winds it's projected. Just it's just yeah. going to be. It's not happening. But um, just to give you some context, this played as a seven one three one, par seventeen two thousand and seven. So, you know, they've added, what, 400-yard plus? Yeah. Apparently, though, and this is true, a lot of the tree removal, the, the fairways are generous. The fairways are generous, but it seems to be, it's almost to me like a, a bit of a Nicholas design, as in it seems to me that it's going to get more and more difficult the further up each hole you get. I mean that is a Jack Nicholas trait, especially around Memorial, yeah. um, around yeah. um, Muirfield Village. I think hitting fairways isn't overly going to be difficult. Although I know the opening holes seem quite flat. What I'm going to do, chaps, I'm going to put a link through to the Golf Digest flyover page that we we we've worked through. It's a great piece. It's a really good 15 minute video going into detail around the course. But a lot of these fairways are canted. And a lot of the canting goes against the, the actual dog leg of the hole, which is interesting. But one thing that um, Hans did with this renovation, and I've, I've, I've put it into my research preview, which again, I will link in the description box of the podcast. They, recons um, they reconstituted um, a lot of the water channels around the golf course. Mm. And they did that to aid clearly bring it up to modern stands in terms of irrigation 
but also to bring far more water into play across the holes. So what you actually see here, that water is in play across uh, 15 of the 18 holes. T2 Tony female backers, uh, close, your, close your ears at that point. Yeah. Now, some of that water can be just a creek that runs down the side of the fairway. And you can go to the other extreme where you've got, I think it's the 13th, the par 5 on the back side, which has got two huge ponds in front of the green, which again, for those that are going to be aggressive and go for that green in two, could be a seriously watery grave and might put, most off doing that mm. because it's a 626 yard hole or 636 i believe yeah you're going in there with a the long 632 climb, yeah so you, you're, you're sitting there also they're saying on that particular hole it's quite funny um three three to 330 back of the green there's a plateau in the in the fairway where it's like a low point and everything out of that is up it it really does feel to me when I look at the two par fives, and this is without any forecast for weather, that those two par fives almost feel unreachable to pretty much everyone in the field. Yeah, it's going to depend on the conditions and the the, the wind direction on that particular day on that particular hole, but well, the, they're long, the, aren't they? Yeah, the, the the fifth, the first par five on the front is six fifty six from the tips. I mean, we don't know if they're going to play it from the tips all the time. We we understand that. But 6.56 from the tips. And the second one is 6.32. And that's the one with water and four bunkers guarding the green. Mm. The only thing about the 13th is the way the wind is currently forecast. Somebody could, and if the fairways are running, they could 350, 360, 370-yard drives could be possible. Yeah. Then, then they're in a situation as can I fly those? Can I fly those two ponds and maybe get into one of the bunkers around the green? So I just, but it, for the most part, I think we're going to be seeing an awful lot of wedges played to those par fives. I'm just doing the maths. Three seventy off the tips there would leave you a two sixty inbound for the second. Yeah, and with the wind behind, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can take a chance, can't you? Depending on the situation. So what we're saying is I think that the fifth is going to be pretty much unreachable to everybody. That's a three-shot par five in my mind. The 13th, the second look at a five for the really long guys, if there's wind in play and helping, there's going to be a number that will go for the green with a 260, 270 length approach. Hmm. Challenging golf course. When you boil it all down, this is a short challenging golf course, but... As we always say, Kerry Hay, competitions director of the um, uh, PGA of America, he doesn't want a US he doesn't want a US Open setup. He always wants the course to just play as naturally as it should. So, if they can make this a scorable PGA Championship, they will. So let, let's not get into the, the situation where we're thinking, oh, you know, well, it's going to be a US Open one under, two under wing totally. It won't be unless weather dictates that. But typically, they, they, they do like on a PGA Championship. They, they don't mind a 13-under, something like that, winning 15-under. If they can get to that, if they're aided by the weather, they're not afraid of that. Kepka won at 16-under in 2018 at Bell Reeve. He won at 8-under at, eight under at uh, Beth Page, 13-under Morikawa in 2020. And last year, Mickelson in that absolute Hail Mary wind at Keogh Island was a six under winner. Yeah. Anything else about the course that grabs your attention, Barry or Paul? No, I I, I guess the changes have all been to make it longer, to make it more uh, more more encouraging for the uh, for the longer hitters, for the good drivers. I mean, just looking at some of the quotes because they played um, a seniors event there, didn't they? Uh, was it last Alex, year? Alex Chaker won, yeah, last year. They bearing in mind though, just to put, a, I mean, it's it's seniors golf. 
that played sub seven thousand yards. That particular, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all relevant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it, it's it's relative to the to, to the guys that were playing. But even then, so I'm just reading some of the quotes that you've put in your preview. Goosen was talking about it um, being made for bombers, yeah, designed for bombers. Yeah, um, Checker was talking about it being tough with just a ten mile an hour wind. Now, we'll go into the wind in a second, but um, I think we're likely to see quite a bit more than 10 miles an hour next week. So uh, if he's talking about it being tough with a, a 10 mile an hour wind, and, uh, the winning score then, eight under, I think, was it for the uh, for the seniors? Yeah, I can't see the scoring getting out of control this week. So, uh, no. Yeah, the, interesting the, one. The, the thing about uh, having... Bent grass on the greens. If there's any sort of te- you know temperature around, they're going to need to water them to keep the grass alive. Mm. Yeah. Um. So that 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 gives a little bit of hope to at least the the first half of the day that's playing. They'll get that receptiveness and they'll probably be firming up and getting a bit shiny towards the end of each day. This yep. course, just for background, this course has hosted three US Opens, 58, 77, 2001. It's also hosted four PGAs before this, 70, 82, 94, 2007. Um, it is apparently the most, it's had the most PGA championships of any golf course, and that's without this being the fifth. As Paul said, it hosted the 2021 Senior PGA Championship last year, won by Alex Chaker. So if you want to get a view of the golf course and some, you know, um, I did some YouTube searches around it. You can get some view of the holes uh, based upon some of the uh, content that was put out there for the seniors last year. But yes, they clearly they they could play this to the tips. Gil Hans renovations and Gil Hans golf course designs. I'll be very nice to you. I'll actually list them out. Aronomic Golf Club. That's where they used to play the old BMW Championship in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Going back, I think the. Uh, Oh, what am I talking about? Aronomink. Sorry, I'm talking absolute... I'm getting confused with Coghill. Aronomink is where they played the 2019 BMW Championship. Uh, I think that was won by Justin Thomas, from memory. Uh, Plainfield Country Club. Uh, that's in New Jersey, I remember. Uh, bagels will be getting excited listening to this. That, that hosted the 2011 Barclays and the 2015 Barclays. They also, um, Gil Hans has had a major renovation piece of work at Ridgewood Country Club, another New Jersey golf course. That's hosted the 2010 Barclays, the 2014 Barclays and the 2018 Northern Trusts. If you're looking for leaderboards, make a note of these. Um, I don't think this is overly relevant, but he did some work at Trump National Doral. That was won by Patrick Reed one year, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, he's always got a good record at Doral. TPC Boston is a Hans original. They've all, you know, the Deutsche Bank going back years, and the last time they played it, where Dustin Johnson won up something ridiculous under par, was the Dell Technologies Championship in 2020. Oh, sorry, that was the 2020 Northern Trust. Bear in mind, uh, the, the last one, DJ won there. Also, Winged Foot, where they played the 2020 US Open. So, just off mic, and, you know, this will be within the predictive model for the PGA Championship because we are going to put a predictive model up there of all of the best finishers on Gil Hans designed and renovated golf courses over the last five years. Bryson DeChambeau will come out top because he's clearly won at wing foot and he's also won the 2018 Northern Trust at Ridgewood. He's a bit of a Gil Hans um, specialist. Uh, Bryce, and it's a shame that he's just had his hand operated on and he's out of the game. That's an uh, you talking, Paul, about the field not being confirmed yet. DeChambeau's in the field, clearly, he's not going to play. So, there's another addition to the field inbound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple, uh, a couple of spots. I did see a list of alternates there. came out on Twitter yesterday. Uh, okay, good, good. I think Rob Let's Bolton start. put a, tw- a, a list of alternates out there, uh, Joel Damon, and people like that. Good players, clearly, but uh, and that's why this is such a depthy major. So there's a list of Gil Hans um, designs and renovations. Uh, it's going to be, I th- it's going to be a tough old gig, I think. Uh, just to go through the actual weather and what we've seen to this point. 
Barry uh, mentioned to me, Paul's also mentioned to me, and I, I heard about it yesterday doing some research around this. Clearly, a lot of players have been playing the golf course in the build-up, and they, there's, there's been various uh, comments made how soft the golf course is. And that tallies up from what I saw yesterday in my research. That golf course so far in May has had 180 millimetres of rain. And all of that rain came up to Wednesday the 11th of uh, Wednesday the 11th of yesterday. It was all last week. There was three days last week where it tipped down three days. I think it was like a, I don't know, a month. don't hold me to account, but it was like a Sunday, a Tuesday, a Thursday. Hammered down. So that golf course is soft right now. Uh, I'm looking at forecasts. I'm seeing no real threat of rain right through the end of this week, weekend, into tournament week next week. It will so I be think they're firing. Gonna be, they're going to be able to get that golf course where they want it, Barry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A few, Which a few is good. days of a few days of those tw- mid twenties, high twenties Celsius temperature, and oh, yeah, happy. They'll yeah, be, they'll be fine. They'll probably be watering it to keep it okay. They're also saying that clearly the PGA used to be played in August, and that that <laughs> the people were passing out in two thousand seven. Apparently, um, I don't know. I don't know if they were drinking too much Bud Light. Uh, was Bud Light around in 2007? But um, I think there was there, there were some casualties, Paul. Yeah. I don't know if a few of them was like eating's cheating, but there were, there were casualties on the golf course. It was getting up to like 38 degrees Celsius. Yeah, I think you need to keep your fluid. You need to keep your fluid levels up, but the right kind of fluids, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah. It's a, It's going to be cooler because it's clearly May. I don't think it's going to be that cool. Uh, Thursday on the forecast I'm looking at, 31 degrees Celsius. Uh, I apologise if you're a Fahrenheit guy, if you listen to this in the States, but 31 uh, on Friday. Uh, So yes, the the opening two days do look rather hot and humid. Uh, Saturday looks like a front might be going through, potentially. Bear in mind we're talking about this over 10 days in advance. It looks like the temperatures might tumble on Saturday, but this weather forecast is well worth keeping an eye on. Um, it looks like we might be getting some kind of front moving through because all of a sudden, 20, 31 degrees Celsius changes to 14 degrees Celsius on Saturday from the early forecast. The thing that we've all commented on between the three of us is, and we I mentioned this at the top of the show, Oklahoma known for wind. The wind forecasts for Thursday and Friday this far out look shockingly high. I'm seeing gusts approaching, if not exceeding, 40 miles an hour with a wind that's coming in a southerly direction. So, Paul, I gave you the challenge. I always do this. You're you're my go-to guy when it comes to how weather conditions will affect a golf course. So you were looking at this yesterday and into this this morning. How does a southerly wind affect this golf course? Yeah, it's it, and it, it looks like it's all coming directly from the south as well. There's not much deviation f- mm-hmm. from uh from the early forecast. So um if it does stick like that and it is and it's strong as well as you said. Um I think re- look, looking at this, I think you're going to end up with around about half of the holes having a, a proper crosswind um, blowing across them. When I've worked it through, maybe five of them will have <laughs> left to right crosswinds and four, uh, three or four will, will be right to left. So you're going to have, um, you're going to, I think you're going to need to be comfortable moving the ball both ways um, and holding it up into the wind. Um, one of the ones that will be quite pivotal will be the fifth. Now that's the long par five that you talked about um, yeah. a little while back yeah which with a southerly will have a left to right wind blowing across it yet the hole itself is shaped right to left so um you've got a long 650 yard par five um with challenges in terms of you know you kind of your, your eyesight in terms of the way that the uh, the hole sets up but then the uh, the wind blowing in the opposite direction, that's gonna that's gonna be quite a challenge, and I think your your assertion that it's gonna be a three shotter, I can't see unless they move the 
tee up considerably. I can't see it being any other way, really. Um, the eighth, which is a long par three as it is, uh, 251 yards, that's going to be playing straight into the wind. <laughs> so if you've got a, a 250-yard par three and um, it's blow, uh, playing into a 30-yard or 30-mile-an-hour wind, yeah, good luck with that. They're going to have to move the tee, I think, to make it... Uh, to make it sensible. Um, on the flip side, the 13th, which is the other um, par five you talked about, 620 and the one with the ponds at the front of the green, that should play downwind. So I think, and going back to Barry's point, you're going to see drives. If players can get it in the fairway, you're going to see drives that are in the 360, 380 kind of bracket yeah. with the wind behind. So and for the aggressive, the that's going to be reachable, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, assuming that the forecast or the, the wind direction forecast and strength stays as it is, and um, I, I, if that's the case, they could leave the tee position where it is, and I think some players will still comfortably reach the green or get themselves up and around the green, whether that's in the water or in the bunker. We shall see. Um, the other one to bear in mind is the 16th. Now, for the members, that plays as a par 5. It's 5.30 or thereabouts in terms of the yardage. 5.27. Yeah, that's the one. Um, again, that will play downwind. So what would be a really tough par 4 um, shouldn't be that brutal. It's got, Again, for, for a size of a... Um, the greens there, for the size of the hole, for the length of the hole, are tiny. So for the members, playing as a par five, playing as a three-shotter potentially, um, not so bad. Playing as a, uh, a, a par four for the uh, professionals into a 525, 530-yard par four, that's going to be uh, quite tough. But a southerly wind would make that play downwind. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of respite there. But, yeah, my, my overall kind of knee-jerk from this was there's a lot of crosswind holes that are going to demand a certain type of player and I, you know if, if you're not missing fairways and greens you're going to need to be shaping the ball into the wind you're going to need to be comfortable with that kind of style of play and uh, negating the dog legs at the same time it's um it's going to be it, it, it's it's not just going to be a pure all-out bomb fest I don't think you're going to you're going to need to give it a little bit of thought this week would be my summary I was just looking at another um, weather tool that I use for checking golf and they're showing, <laughs> it's just interesting how their model is interpreting it because it shows Friday and Saturday turning into a northerly direction because of the system <laughs> going across the state. Well, so, yes. so this is, well, I'm just going to say to the listeners, huge asterisk. It is the weather. It is more than a couple of days out. So um, mm. I, I think I think the takeaway, no matter what uh, the direction looking like we will be expecting some form of wind in some mm-hmm. direction to, and a reasonable wind that's going to make this a challenging golf course to play and somebody who should be you know, definitely in control of their ball flight and the ability to shape it both ways will be quite handy but it doesn't look like you need to do that you just I guess it's just controlling the flight and trajectory of your ball is probably the who's in control of their game at the moment so do you guys know who that is so we can put money on him <laughs> Patrick <laughs> Reed apparently but um, Patrick uh, Reed <laughs> um, th- we also said off mic and it's worth I think it's worth capturing this for the podcast we, we this this golf course the the, the, the the green complexes are so well defended that this is going to be a test in the air. There's going to be no bailout in terms of playing a Lynx kind of golf where you can play the ball close to the ground. True? Yep. Doesn't feel like that, yeah. Mm. There's the, the narrow entrances. You know, it, it it does look like there's an ability to you know get the ball up into the throat of the greens if you're having to, say, like punch out or play around the trees if your tee shot isn't great, but... I think where we kind of got to was you looked up the stats for the 07 um, yep. PGA and I, you said Tiger was fourth for greens and reg at 72% or somewhere around that and best of the week was 75%. 75% with, Trevor, uh, 70, yeah. uh, let's get this right, 75% Trevor Ulmer, number one. But like you, uh, Tiger was fourth for greens in regulation, he was sub 70%. Oh, sorry, sub 70 so 69.4 with, 
with the greens having been reduced in size and with the edges, let's say, uh, softened off to allow the balls to roll off, I we're all like what we're all guessing the field average might be mid fifties for greens and reg, maybe yeah. high fifties. You know, add yeah. a bit of wind in there, so so that kind of led us to um, thinking we need somebody who is great at scrambling and great at sand saves. Not necessarily strokes game, short game, because the two, you know, getting up and down, avoiding bogeys, avoiding doubles is what. It's going to be well, a that's big major, fo- focus point. major championship golf, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not about chippings. No, it's about combining the two together. So yeah. it, it just the kind of mentality I want in somebody this week is like that Podrick Harrington, like just absolute grinding, not to drop shots. Yeah, and what happened at Kira Island last year with him and Shane Lowry getting right near to the top of the leaderboard? Yeah. Yep. Mm, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're very right. So that's our kind of feel, our kind of summary, yeah, on the golf course and what we're seeing with the weather so far. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's not going to be... Um, it's not going to be an easy test, and I think Barry's point's right. You're gonna you're gonna need to have someone who's got the mental strength and fortitude to uh, to to grind, um, maybe a little bit more than we might expect in a PGA Championship. Yeah, I mean, my my gut feel again is that we're probably looking at around maybe ten under as a winning score, rather than anything particularly deep into the into the mid teens under under par this week but um yeah, you know, yeah unless it's particularly soft and the, the the wind lays off a little bit i think we you're gonna need to gonna need a little bit of guile this week or next week pga championship people ask me you know what what kind of elements do you need to be a pga champion well i'm taking away oak hill in 2013 which was a very tight and claustrophobic golf course in New York State. And I'm also taking away Harding Park, where Morikawa won in 2020. We were on board. Um, that, again, was 7-2. Classical, kind of not typical PGA Championship. This, to me, is a pretty damn t- typical PGA Championship golf course. It's long, it's classical, it's stretching. These were the driving distance ranks arriving of the winners since 2010. I'm going back to Martin Keimer at Whistling Straight. So this is where they were in the driving distance charts on arrival at the golf course, okay? See if we can see a pattern here. Keimer, 38th. Bradley, 16th. McElroy, 6th. McElroy, 3rd. Day, 3rd. Jimmy Walker, Bolter's Roll, 23rd. JT, 6th. Quail Hollow. We then moved to Brooks. Brooks, his first win at Bell Reeve, he ranked 11th for driving distance on arrival. He was 14th for driving distance at Beth Page in 19. That then takes us to the golfer that's always going to screw any PGA, Tour tre- uh, PGA Championship trends that we ever had for this place, Phil Mickelson. He was 50th for driving distance when arriving at Keir Island last year, which was a 7,876 from the tips, par 72. Yeah, he's not short, Phil, is he? And that's no. a, it's a bit of a surprise. You like really. Phil? Yeah, it's a surprise because he'd it, it, been working hard on uh, and trying to keep up with the youngsters, hadn't he? So it's a, still a bit surprising he was down in 50th, but that still doesn't put him down. That's still what, in the top quartile or thereabouts of yeah. uh, driving distance? So for me, and I, you, you have to try and bring fields down to build a card for your betting. When you're seeing that Phil Mickelson's the outlier at 50th and everyone before then on a long golf course since 2010 has been in the top 40 for driving distance on arrival, it's not a bad way to start reducing your winner's list down. Mm. In fact, I'd suggest it's a very good way of doing it. So, long off the tee, a player that's fantastic with their ball striking in the wind on a golf course where we think 70% greens in regulation could be very, very close to leading that category on the week. 
and throw in the fact that you'd really want someone that can actually scramble and get out of some sand traps. I think the problem with a lot of this is it's taking you down the route of most elite golfers because they're all long. <laughs> yep. They're all ball strikers and there will be some, I expect, that fall out on the short game side if you look at it, looking at this from a statistical model perspective. Mm. But it is taking you down the route of, you know, you, you, you just know on your spreadsheet you're going to look at all of this and John Rahm is pretty much going to tick every box and JT's going to tick every box and they're pretty you know there's going to be a lot ticking boxes so that's uh, that's the driving distance angle i've also looked at a couple of oblique angles that people will people will either go with me and a lot of people will say well, steve you're talking you're talking garbage as per usual you know all these trends and these reasons you come up not to back people but I thought I'd take a look at what where players had played prior to winning a major. And when I say where, I don't mean the location. I mean at what time point. And I've taken away 2020 because 2020 was a weird year, as we know. They, they crammed all the majors into a ridiculously short space of time. So I'm looking at this, 2022 clearly with Scheffler at the Masters, 21, 19, and then forward. And when I've looked at every major in the United States, going back to 2015, which would be Jordan Spieth at the Masters, the winner of that major played either the week before that major or one week before that major. And the only reason I looked at this was because it's been a bit of a weird time, hasn't it, in terms of the PGA Tour schedule. There's been the Masters. They then played the RBC. The, there was then that silly Zurich Classic team event. Then there's been some kind of events that haven't really turned a lot of the elites on, the Mexico Open. and It's been a bit of a weird time. And I've noticed a lot of golfers that haven't played a lot of golf recently. Good golfers as well. And if I took this to the nth degree and said, right, I'm not going to back a player that was either at Wells Fargo or this week at the AT&T Byron because every winner from 2015 in the, in the United States of a major has played either the week before or the week before that, I would take off my list, and I'm doing this in betting price order, John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, Cameron Smith, boo, Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, Daniel Berger, Shane Lowry, boo, Sung Jaim, Louis Oosthuizen, Tiger Woods. I'm just, I'm just going to throw this one in, in for the uh, humour value, really. Paul Casey. Had to get him in there. None of, none of those players have played. They're not playing this week and they didn't play last week. And I know trends are there to be broken, but it's it's fact. It's just the way it is. That's the way that the calendar's worked. Mm. So if one of those players was to win, that would be irregular. The yeah, only, if I include the, the open pool as well, only one player also breaks the trend across to 2015. 2017, Jordan Spieth. He won the Travelers Championship the week after the US Open. Didn't play any golf. Turned up in uh, uh, the Open and won that. Yeah. Almost yeah. a month he hadn't played, but he'd won the tournament before. I can, there's a, perhaps there's a little bit more logic with the Open because players will want to acclimatise. A lot of the American players who come over, or the overseas players who want to come over and acclimatise in the, uh, the typically the UK, the Irish weather. Um, and also they want to play a little bit of Lynx golf, whereas... Yeah, the PGA isn't necessarily dissimilar to what they may have been playing before. Of course, we used to have the um, WGC Bridgestone, didn't we, before the PGA? Yeah, 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 on the PGA Championship. So, played every you week know, for you. That, that kind of, by definition, you, you saw most of the top players, if not all of the top players, playing 
for two consecutive weeks. And there always used to be a nice little trend that fell out of that where players who'd finished in the top 30 or thereabouts at uh, Akron, as it was at the time, mm-hmm. um, then went on to win the PGA Championship. So in days gone past, it was um, it was a waiting game to see what happened at uh, Firestone and then, uh, then make your shortlist from there, which was quite quite a nice little trend to follow. But as you say, it's kind of blown out of the water at the moment. Which doesn't help. Dave Tyndall also inspired me yesterday to just look. He, he, he put an interesting piece out on his Twitter feed. Dave, uh, I'll just shout, give Dave a shout. At Dave Tyndall Goal. Last tw- now, I, I've taken what he's done. I've, I've just recalibrated it because I didn't include 2020 in these numbers because, as we said, 2020 was just weird. No player, no no fans. <laughs> There was four majors in about eight, nine weeks. It was all a bit crazy. So I'm just looking at it from a kind of normal golfing year perspective. Take the last 21 majors. Because I'm always interested, and this always plays in my mind when I'm, oh, he did really well on his last appearance. Oh, I don't know if I fancy him and all this. It's kind of what, how do major winners do the outing before they win their major? Here you go. I've looked at the last 21 majors. Eight of those 21 major winners had top five finishes before they won their major. That's 38%. There's an additional guy, I think it was Patrick Reed, had a top 10. There's an additional two that had had a top 15 finish. So... 52% had, uh, that's 11 of 21, had finished in the top 15 before winning their major. 10 others had finished between 28th and uh, Phil Mickelson's 68th, I think, or 67th at the Wells Fargo. None of them missed the cut. And this is on their very immediate start before there. Yeah. So no player had missed the cut and then went on to win the major the outing after. You've got 48% that kind of had a very soft week, made the cut, finished no better than 28th. Hideki Matsuama would have fallen into that category. You remember he did that before he won the Masters? Yeah. And then you get 38%, eight, eight players who finished in the top five, the outing before they won their major. The damn obvious ones. You know, like Scotty Scheffler, who finished first at the World Match Play, became world number one, and then two weeks later won Augusta National. Mm. Just within that stat, before someone mentions this, including that, included in that eight top fives, I've included John Rahm, who withdrew from the memorial when he was six shots clear because he had COVID. Yeah. But he's in that eight top fives. So that tells me I'm looking for somebody that's either bang on it on their previous outing or, well, what else can you say? I certainly aren't looking for people that are missing the cut. Did Patrick Reed miss the cut on his last outing, Paul? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps in my long shots piece, I'll be looking for um, for each way chances, Steve, rather than the absolute winner, which uh, which you you'll nail undoubtedly. Trends are there to be broken. <laughs> oh, sure. Just to give you hope, Paul. Just to give you hope, and 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 basically just put a few more quid in the bookies' pockets. Yep. It's well. Yeah. <sighs> It's a shame, really. There are players in there that... I mean, we're all high on Lowry. We're we're talking about the course, the weather, Cam Smith. I mean, why is Cam Smith going to be contending at Augusta a few weeks ago and not going to be in the mix this week on a golf course that's pretty similar, unless something seriously has fallen off? But the trouble with Cam Smith is, I I don't think... Has he played since the Masters? I'm just looking. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one to get over as well, isn't it, from the position he was in. Did he play that Zurich Classic thing with Leishman? He usually does. Yeah, he did. He played, finished 21st. Don't know. 
I just thought it was interesting to get it out there. All US major winners since 2015 Masters, and I'm only saying since 2015 Masters because I didn't go further than that, have played within the previous two weeks. Might just have to load up on Scotty Scheffler, I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Scotty's scrambling and sand save percentage is not up where we want it to be if you're going to be doing stat chopping on people. Yeah. He's he's outside the top 100 on tour. Now, maybe he had a particularly bad start to the year or the season, and it's improved since, but... Mm. Yeah, as we said, just off mic, you know, having eyeballed him at Augusta, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that short game. I know. I hope we don't outthink ourselves. Just somebody who's playing really hot golf. You keep saying to us, Barry, we shouldn't overcomplicate things. So, yeah. Maybe you just don't overcomplicate things because Scotty Scheffler was ninth for scrambling when he won the uh, the green jacket a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and just 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 for, just for my bowling him and, and that week, he there was nothing to. He was immaculate, wasn't he, around the greens? Really, really strong. But yes, I, I boil it all down. If the forecast is right. The you know the, the green sizes the the challenges around the greens are there to be seen. Um, I think you are going to need a short game. You are going to need to be able to get yourself up and down from the many bunkers that you're likely to find yourself in over the course of the week. So players that aren't comfortable and competent in that particular aspect have got to have a big question mark against them. At Augusta, for reference, 2022 Thursday, 10 to 15 mph with gust 25 for Friday. 15 to 20 with gusts to 30. Saturday, 12 to 16 with gusts to 25 miles an hour. So the first 54 holes at the Masters were very, very windy and stretching, yeah? Scotty Scheffler led after 54 holes. Cam Smith was within three. Sun Jae-in was within five. Shane Lowry, Charles Svartzel were in set within seven. Justin Thomas, Corey Connors were within eight. That was the leaderboard going into Sunday at the Masters. Mm. I can't overly see why this is. If the weather is what it's pretend, you know what the weather forecast potentially says. Um, don't know. I don't see why the, those players wouldn't suit this test this time around. Hmm. Interesting. Anything else you guys want to add before we disappear? Do you want to, Are there players that you've got an interest in, or is it too early to tell? A little On bit. On the basis I've... that we don't really, we're, we're not interested in backing them right now anyway. Or are we going to come clean on one player, Barry, that we backed the other day? Oh, we should we, do because we need full help. disclosure, don't we? We do. We do. I think. I think we're obliged to disclose our bets, um, our accurate reporting. What, what did you and I do then on Tuesday? As soon as we stopped recording the pod, well, we were having post-pod discussions about it. Um, so we've both backed Jordan Spieth on the exchange. We did. What price did we get? Was it twenty-three? 20, 27, 26, 27. Wow. Mm. That's yeah, the only well, bet I've had. I'll take that because um, Spieth's part of my four-fold each way acker for the majors. So Shane Lowry was my master's selection in that respect. Um, Jordan Spieth is the next on the list. Of course, it's all just down to the each way element now because... Larry didn't win, but um, the the uh, the places would still pay a nice chunk. Should we get there? So it'd be nice to keep that going. So yeah, let's let's get a uh, let's get a lofty finish out of Spieth for starters. That'd be good. Okay. The only the reason we backed him is because just, he's got that gr- the scramble, the just that grind, and like you pointed out, Steve, his long game looks to be in 
fairly fairly decent uh, condition at the moment. So the one thing Jordan can't do at the moment, as we know, is putt. Yeah, but um, he was tee to green first at the Valero Texas Open, which is a long par seventy two. Uh, and he was first for tee to green at the RBC Heritage, which he won last time out. I think our fear was, Barry, that he goes really well at the Byron Nelson, a, a, a tournament that's really close to his heart this week, and that number's just going to go southwards. Yeah. And Hence why we backed it on Tuesday, yeah? He's out to 29s here now, so I think we need to top up. Top up? <laughs> yeah. I might top up now, then. The um, I mean, I, I as soon as... I mean, a few weeks ago, I put down Larry on my um, my note for this, and you know, looking at his scrambling and sand save stats, they're excellent. He's up there in the top few on both of them, uh, and you know, unless something what drastic has changed in the last couple of weeks, um, he's swinging the best he ever has and has uh, pretty serious control of his ball. Um, I think I'll be backing Larry as well. After that, um, I might back Max Homa. I know he doesn't have a really good PGA Championship record or Majors record, but he keeps adding a piece to the puzzle every time. And the the long game's in great shape, and he's obviously playing uh, some really good golf. He won on a quite a challenging test last week. Yeah, and windswept. Yeah. Yeah. With a bit of rain thrown in. Actually, I think as yes, that that tournament uh, at the Wells Fargo. You know, if you're looking for someone, a guy that can handle you know really tough conditions in the wind, and the, they threw some precipitation in there just to really uh, turn the screw. That's not a bad tournament to look at. One player that did t- capture my imagination from that was Cameron Young. That guy can play serious golf. He can hit it a seriously long way. And he was in the top five by the end of that. Did he finish in the top five, I think, at the Wells Fargo last week? He's had some good good finishes. He's recently. a very good player, that cameo. Whether he can play whether he can tran, you know, jump the gap to a um, a major, I don't know. But um there's no reason why his game can't, because it's um it's excellent. I tell you what I just wanted to do, these bet boosts change, but I've just gone onto the Bet365 website, and these are the bet boosts you can get on the PGA Championship right now, yeah? John Rahm, eleven to one to fourteen to one to win the PGA next week. Cam Smith, eighteen to one to twenty-five to one. Brooks Kepka, twenty to one to twenty-eight to one. Now, when these bookmakers put boosts on players, that tends to suggest, in my mind, you know, tell me I'm wrong, that they don't fancy them to win it. Well, yeah, yeah, just trying to entice people in early. I mean, I, personally, I won't be touching any um, more bets until we get the full markets out because mm. I, I want the extra places, which will undoubtedly come from uh, tomorrow afternoon onwards. Yeah. Right, I think that's us done. Uh, your shortlist, by the way, Barry, yeah, you can't sh- you, you, you can't discount that. Also another one that was high up in that... that um, tournament at the Masters a few weeks ago was Sung J.M. I know you mentioned him off mic a few um, couple of days ago. He was another one that was kind of on a list that you had. Yeah, I don't know, for some reason it just popped, just came into my head. I don't know what, I just put it, wrote it down, didn't ignore the the gut feeling and, you know, sub, you know sub, subsequent to that, just looking at his, his scrambling, he's fourth on tour for that and where is he in? Top 15, sounds like. He's, Top fifteen in sand saves, so you know if the, you gotta um, you gotta grab onto something for making your picks. So I'm um, you know with scrambling and uh, sand saves being a big part of what I'm looking at, and you know Sung Jay's long game could be more than adequate. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think once the extended places come out, um, he'll be he'll be one of my one of my bets, and very much so on the DraftKings uh, perspective as well. He does not miss that many cuts. Yeah. And likely to be pretty underbaked in terms of percentage. He's never really hugely popular, him, is he? On DraftKings. I think that's us. I enjoyed our chat. 
I, as per usual, it kind of throws up more questions than answers. But it's good to uh, have a discussion and you know throw everything to the melting pot to then go away and uh, have a, have have another think around things and have a a bit more research. I think one thing I'm going to do is take what you've done, Paul, and build a a look into what kind of approach distances are going to be critical if the wind does turn up from that southerly direction. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what that what does that mean? Because as you said, some of the drives are likely to be rather than three hundred yards. Some of the drives could be anywhere up to three sixty with some of these big guys. What does that do to approach yardages? And conversely, some of the holes going the other way. Yeah. So just yeah, have a look at it. It's, if it does manifest the way that it looks, then um, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna it's gonna create some challenges for sure. Yeah. I've already got. A, I've already got a look if the kind of golf course was playing without wind. So it'd be good to say, well, you know, let's build wind in for a second view. See what what that does as well. Right. Thank you for your time, gents. I hope you. Uh, I hope your bets go well at the Sudar Open and the Byron Nelson before we get to the PGA. The PGA mm. Championship podcast will be out on its standard time, which will be next. Well, it will be Tuesday. Let me throw the date in there. Tuesday the 17th with our selections for the 2022 PGA Championship. If you do have any questions, listeners, do not hesitate to get in contact with us. Best way to get in contact with us, clearly on Twitter. Um, The Twitter handles are at the front of the show. If you've got any questions, any views, just uh, give us a tweet and we'll get back to you. Right, enjoy your golf over the weekend, chaps. Yep, yep. Best of luck with what's uh, happening now and uh, looking forward to reconvening next week. Exactly. Cheers Cheers for your time, Baron. And we will see you next week for the PJ Championship. Sayonara. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. All the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf